America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day despite the great turmoil that is going on in our politics. The uh, January 6th attack, was that uh, an accident? Did it have anything at all to do with President Trump? A special counsel, Jack Smith, in court filings today, has detailed more evidence that he plans to introduce at Trump's trial, including evidence that the January 6th attack was exactly what Trump intended. Does that make it more likely that the Supreme Court will uh, disqualify him, as the Supreme Court in the state of Colorado has already done? That will be reviewed, and reviewed quickly, God willing, uh, by the Supreme Court to determine whether Trump is eligible to be on the ballot, not just in the one state of Colorado, but all across the country. Uh, The special counsel, Jack Smith, in a court filing has detailed additional evidence he plans to introduce at the trial of former President Donald Trump on charges of unlawfully trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election, including evidence of Trump's alleged state of mind as his supporters attacked the U.S. Capitol, and by the way, he did nothing about it, on January 6th. This evidence shows that the rioters' disruption of the certification proceeding is exactly what the defendant intended on January 6th, uh, special counsel Jack Smith said in his filing. Smith's office provided notice of a range of information and testimony prosecutors hoped to introduce at that trial, while not part of the actual charges against Trump, that will speak to his motive, intent, preparation, knowledge, and common plan, they say. Uh, This is all very important, and I'll tell you why. Because basically, when it comes to Trump's involvement in an insurrection, which uh, would, under most readings of the Constitution, or many readings of the Constitution, disqualify him from uh, running for president or holding any federal office uh, or state office, for that matter. If uh, participation in uh, that kind of insurrection was not part of the charge by Jack Smith's office, then the uh, question was, and uh, people uh, like Alina Habba the attorney for President Trump, uh, have said, look, uh, if if you're going to say that we were involved with an insurrection, why didn't Jack Smith charge us accordingly? And uh, that, of course, is a question that is going to be adjudicated at one point or another by the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, we will get to that. Uh, John Bolton Uh, The former national security advisor to President Trump, who was a graduate of Yale Law School, um, he uh, just posted uh, on his uh, ex account. uh, He said, I spoke with Caitlin Collins last night about Colorado's Supreme Court decision being misguided and misplaced. The idea that 50 different state courts can decide a question involving the highest elected office is implausible. And any question regarding the 14th Amendment 
will inevitably have to be cleared by the Supreme Court of the United States. Trump will not be stopped that easily. Uh, that from uh, John Bolton. Meanwhile, there is a, another strike by Democrats to make them look extreme, detached, and uh, somehow contemptuous of the American public. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday, but uh, there, there's more information now and more background. Uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation yesterday that could pave the way for payments to black Americans over New York State's history of slavery. Under the law, New York will create a nine-person commission to examine racial and economic discrimination against people of African descent and study reparations. The commission is meant to submit recommendations to the governor and New York's legislature within a year of its first meeting. Uh, Hochul said there was a moral obligation to reckon with the state's history. Here in New York, there was a slave market where people bought and sold other human beings with callous disregard, uh, the Democrats said in a news conference yesterday. Uh, it happened right on Wall Street for more than a century. Okay, that more than a century was, for the most part, before the United States existed as a nation. When New York was not a state, uh, it was not an independent Republican a republic, it was a colony of Great Britain. And uh, New York's initiative follows a similar undertaking in California, which worked out so well, they recommended uh, what would be calculated to be more than a million and a half dollars per individual who could trace a history, which is even harder for California. But here is the basic point. Uh, when they talk about all this and they talk about New York's guilt, New York was the first state of any state to abolish slavery altogether. They did it on July 4th, 1827. That was one year after the 50th anniversary of the United States. And uh, does that extinguish the fact that the colony of New York, which began as a Dutch colony of New Amsterdam, that uh, all of uh, this uh, period and, and the history of the development of that state, that uh, they did have slavery and profit from it? Uh, no, it doesn't uh, erase that, but the prominence of New York and the Underground Railroad with a most prominent New York politician before the Civil War, William Henry Seward, his wife was active in the Underground Railroad, helping slaves to escape. Frederick Douglass is buried and lived out most of his later life as a free man and a leading abolitionist in uh, Rochester, New York. That's where he's buried. Harriet Tubman uh, was also a New Yorker. And to say now that people who live in the state of New York, most of whom, of course, are, are descended from people who immigrated from other countries long after slavery was eliminated in New York, is just bizarre. 
In 2019, Evanston, Illinois, a suburb north of Chicago, a very privileged suburb, it's the location of Northwestern University, Evanston, Illinois, committed to spend $10 million over a decade, so a million dollars a year, on payments to black residents for discrimination and lack of access to housing. The city's program was the first of its kind in the U.S. New York Republicans criticized the creation of the state's new commission on reparations. State GOP chair Ed Cox said it was a taxpayer-funded exercise in futility that will only generate more division and resentment. And yes, I believe that that is profoundly true. We have plenty of division and resentment in this country. We also have all kinds of new evidence about the flourishing of anti-Semitism right here in the United States. And we're not now talking about years ago. We're talking about right now, where in the age group 18 to 29 years old, one out of five believe the Holocaust is a myth. If you believe the Holocaust is a myth, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. And uh, a separate poll that says most young Americans believe Jews should be treated as oppressors. What does that mean? And Israel should be given to Hamas. Can you believe it? A majority of young Americans believe that? It's a Harvard poll. We will get to that and more coming up on the MedVet Show. Yes, indeed. Wow. Uh, <laughs> voices from my childhood. Uh, Burl Ives did one of my favorite when I was in preschool. He did one of my favorite uh, songs, which was um, about a frog on a lily pad. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, again, uh, he was a very, very big uh, figure in... American entertainment years ago. And of course, uh, White Christmas, uh, even without Bing Crosby singing it, uh, still is one of those songs that uh, uh, touches sentimental hearts everywhere. Uh, you know that White Christmas was written by a proudly Jewish guy, right? Uh, his name was Irving Berlin. He lived to 100. He uh, gave all the proceeds from uh, his great classic uh, God Bless America. Yes, he wrote that too. And uh, he donated all the proceeds from that song to the Boy Scouts of America because he was a huge uh, sponsor and of, of scouting. And, and then again, uh, during World War One, he uh, wrote songs uh, boosting the troops and actually enlisted in the army and entertained at a uh, uh, domestic army base where he was stationed. In any event, I, I mention all this because uh, 
there is now a new poll, and actually there are two new polls. The one that's most shocking is a poll that was conducted December 13th and 14th uh, by the Harvard-Harris polling. That's the old Lou Harris organization. It found that 51% of respondents aged 18 to 24 believe that the proper long-term solution to the Israel-Palestinian conflict is, quote, for Israel to be ended and given to Hamas and the Palestinians. Uh, and, and what happens to, <laughs> I mean, again, when, when you use the term that Israel should be ended, uh, does that mean ending the lives of the uh, more than uh, uh, 7 million uh, Jewish people who, who live in Israel? right now between the river and the sea uh here's the stunning thing and it's something that no one i think has sufficiently explained is this is um belief that israel should be ended it also shows that a majority of young american voters believe that jews should be treated as oppressors uh, and that israel should be ended and given to hamas uh aside from that when you talk about Americans over the age of 65, as opposed to those under 30, instead of a majority seeing that Israel should be ended, a peop- among people over 65, it's only 4%. Among uh, young people, however, uh, 67% believe that Jews as a class are oppressors and should be treated as oppressors. Uh, 60% of that same age group, that is young voters under the age of 30, believe that the October 7th Hamas terror attack and the massacre of Israeli civilians was justified by the grievance of Palestinians, that's in quotes, while 76% acknowledge that the attack in question included rapes and crimes against women. In other words, (laughs) when... uh, People attempt to justify their rapes and crimes against women in the hashtag MeToo movement. I talk about Jonathan Majors, for goodness sake, who is a uh, really very talented actor, rising star. He was fantastic in one of my favorite movies of recent years, Devotion. He uh, His career is ruined because he was accused of beating up his girlfriend. And found guilty of beating up his girlfriend. But the uh, idea is that the rapes and crimes against women were included mutilation and, and horrible, horrible excesses. And yet a majority, 60% of young people believe that was justified. Uh, <laughs> 31% of the same age group believe that Israel does not have a right to exist. Why is this, and why is there such a tremendous difference between young people and older people? Uh, notably, although 80% of young Americans say they believe Israel has a right to defend itself, uh, 57% believe that Israel should cease all hostilities now. 
uh, only uh, 43% uh, believe that Israel should keep going until Hamas is defeated. Uh, then there's another poll, and not a poll by Harvard-Harris, but a poll by Economist YouGov, another reputable polling uh, source. And they say in this poll, in response to the statement, the Holocaust is a myth, 20% of participants between the ages of 18 and 29 said, yep, that's right, Holocaust never happened, it's a myth. And an additional 30%, so a, a grand total of 50% half, said they did not agree or disagree. They didn't know. They were unsure. It, it, it is unbelievable that one of the most massive and best documented crimes in human history that people are not sure it actually happened. And uh, all of that footage, all, all of the admissions by Nazi war criminals about what they were doing, asked elsewhere in the survey whether they believe it is anti-Semitic to deny the Holocaust took place. 17% um, of respondents said it was not anti-Semitic, and 37% said they were not sure. Uh, asked whether they agreed with the statement, Jews have too much power in America. 16% uh, of respondents said they agreed. 33% uh, said they neither agreed nor disagreed. So you put that together, that's 49% of young people believe that Jews have too much power in America. And uh, they point out in uh, the article about uh, this particular poll from the Times of Israel that the publication of the poll comes on the heels of U.S. House of Representatives hearing in which University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill, Harvard President Claudine Gay, and MTI President Sally Kornbluth were asked directly if calling for the genocide of Jews is against the codes of conduct at their schools to which all three presidents said the answer depended on the context. The context I would talk about now is that we do have a problem, don't we, with the younger generation, if people are so incredibly poorly reformed about very recent history like the Holocaust. We will be right back on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, yesterday we talked about a new uh, CNBC All-America Economic Survey that showed that among Latino voters, amazingly, who where more than 60% of Latino voters voted for Joe Biden last time, uh, this time Donald Trump has a five-point lead among Latino voters against Biden compared to, oh, even as recently as October, Biden had a seven-point lead. So that's a swing of 12 points. It's uh, a, uh, a a very real factor, says Henry Olson, in the upcoming election. Henry is a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center and the author of Working Class Republican Ronald Reagan and the Return of Blue-Collar Conservatism. 
He is uh, also a nationally syndicated columnist with the Washington Post. Uh, Henry, uh, when you talk about the the lead uh, with Latino voters, it, do you think that is a personal response to uh, Donald Trump, or is it more of a shifting ideologically to uh, looking with favor on the Republican message? Much more the latter than the former. Uh, I would, took a look at a lot of different polls, and what you find is that with Latino voters, support for the Republican candidate is really no different whether you put it against a generic Republican or whether you put it, the name of Donald Trump in there. And that support for Biden pretty perfectly tracks the job approval rating, which is to say that over the last three years, a lot of Democratic Latinos are now either looking favorably on the Republicans or genuinely undecided about the race. And uh, you you say in your column, it's not just uh, Latinos. It is also, surprisingly, uh, black voters. Why do you think? You know, I, I think that many black voters are being hit by the same issues that Latino voters are, which is to say that inflation has eaten away at the paycheck of many American workers, that wages may be up, but for most people, they have not equal to the cumulative inflation and that that's something that bothers them. Uh, black voters are also, uh, particularly working class voters, not happy about the border and uh, would be impacted negatively if a lot of those asylum seekers or illegal migrants ended up working and competing with them for jobs. So there's historical reasons why they'll remain a very Democratic constituency. But the thing is, the Democrats need to win them by 80 points or more. And if they're winning them by, quote, unquote, only 60, that is a terrible thing for the Democrats. Well, it's and and again, the polling is showing much less than 60. If you count all minorities, you count the lead among Latino voters for a trial heat between Trump and Biden. Uh, Let me ask you two things. First of all, if you were advising Republicans on how to keep this momentum going, this has been uh, in all the years that I have been uh, an active Republican, which really goes back to Reagan's first term. It's a long time. Uh, there's always been this dream of replicating uh, some of President Reagan's performance with black and Latino voters. Now it looks like that dream is is taking place. What can Republicans do, first of all, to continue that momentum? Well, I think there's a couple of things Republicans can do. They need to first keep up, continue to keep up the attacks on Biden, where they particularly impact Latino voters, which is to say uh, inflation, crime, and the border. But what they also have to do is offer a positive alternative, and that positive alternative is not uh, going to be the same old, same old. You have to understand why Latino voters did not vote for Republicans for decades. You have to understand what they see negatively about Republicans and try and reduce those or counter those. Ronald Reagan was able to do that with a lot of voters because he was somebody who, while he supported a smaller government, was also a very compassionate individual and explained to people how 
like he moved from being a supporter of Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal to being somebody who wanted to curb its excesses, that they could find that he understood them. And Republicans who don't want to understand Latinos who are shifting parties will find that maybe they'll be less willing to do so. And what about uh, if you were advising uh, Joe Biden and uh, his associates who are really panicking over some of these numbers recently in polling, what can they do to win back the overwhelming majorities of black and Latino voters that they frankly need in order to have a, a good chance of winning this next election? I think they need to focus uh, like a laser beam on the things they're concerned about. The problem with the Biden administration is that they seem more concerned uh, with the concerns of uh, progressives and far-left voters than they are with working-class blacks and Hispanics. They seem more interested in foreign policy than in helping the lives of Americans. And one can make the case that we have important interests overseas, and the president can't ignore them. But he also can't ignore what his own citizens want, and he needs to make it clear that those concerns, not the concerns of allies or not the concerns of upper-income, college-educated white professionals, are his concerns. Uh, And uh, Henry Olson, there is a great deal of... um a polling material today about uh, anti-Semitic um, attitudes still being a factor in American public opinion. And uh, Jewish people are another minority group where, though it's only 3% at most of the electorate, it plays a role in crucial states. Uh, Jewish voters have gone overwhelmingly uh, on the Democratic side, uh, ba- basically for generations. Uh, why is there apparently no comparable shift among Jewish voters toward Republicans? Well, I think there's a few reasons. One is, you know, there, I, I will say it's possible things are changing, but polls don't have cross tabs for Jewish voters because they're only 3%. In order to get a reasonable sample of Jewish opinion, you would have to have three to 4,000 people uh, in your sample. Most polls barely have 700 to 1,000. So there may be a change going on. We just don't know it. But the other thing is that Jewish voters historically have been very uh, liberal, that if you ask uh, the Jews uh, whether they are liberal, moderate, or conservative, they are much more to the left than the population as a whole. They're much more supportive of abortion rights. They tend to be worried about the role of religion in public life, which is something that the Republican Party is clearly more supportive of, at least traditional Christian religion, than the Democrats. And so what that means is that when you look at surveys of Jews only, that the opinions pre-October 7th of the Republican Party varied significantly based on religious adherence and based on uh, religious practice. So conservative Jews were more likely than reformed Jews to be Republican. I think that what the Republican Party needs to do again is just like with Latinos, if they want to increase their share of support with Jews, 
they have to understand why Jews have been saying no to them for so long and address that in some way. And that could help crystallize dissatisfaction with President Biden into a shift among Jewish voters as well. Well, and and again, uh, one can say that uh, right now the polling uh, shows that among rank-and-file uh, Republican voters are much more likely to support Israel. I mean, much more than uh, Democratic voters, where there is a split among Democrats. So that creates a real opportunity because uh, the rallying of Jewish support to the state of Israel after the attacks, the horrifying attacks of October 7th, has been palpable and real. Henry Olson, his most recent columns uh, post our website. We will be right back. We have a, a brand new podcast on Substack. It's a podcast that I just taped this morning. It's part four in our series on uh, mis- myths, uh, misunderstandings, and outright lies about the Middle East. And one of those myths, and in fact, it's not just a myth, it's a lie, is the fiction that Israel is the result of a European colonial project that was intended to drive Palestinian people from their ancient homes. Why is that not true? Why do we know it's not true? Well, one of the things that it's very important for people to keep in mind is when you talk about a European colonial project, the majority of Jews who live in the land of Israel, and and again, that's 80% of the population, the majority of Jews are not from Europe. Their heritage is not European. Their heritage is North African and Middle Eastern, and they're from countries like Morocco and Yemen and uh, Syria, and Iraq, and which all of which at one time had fairly large Jewish communities, but they were driven out because of the hostility to a Jewish state in the Middle East. You can learn more about it if you go to michaelmedved.substack.com. That's michaelmedved.substack.com. And speaking of uh, mistakes that people make about Jews, I never knew that pink... Uh, was Jewish. It surprised me. But she is, and apparently she had a very wonderful exchange on, uh, and just a couple of days ago, on social media. And uh, Pink uh, posted, Happy Hanukkah to all those who celebrate. May may there be light and darkness always. May, May there be peace in our hearts, our homes, and in the world. Lovely. Okay? And uh, there was some idiot in the world of social media. There are a lot of idiots in the world of social media who um, accused her of being tone deaf because in her previous posting, she uh, posted a picture of uh, a menorah with the candles being lit. That it was tone deaf under the current situation for her to celebrate Hanukkah. And uh, Pink responded, Tone deaf to be Jewish or alive? I'm confused. And uh, 
That's Pink performing the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, in uh, the background. Um, Meanwhile, there is um, more material on the response uh, to the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that unless the Supreme Court of the United States overrules their verdict, which I think the Supreme Court probably will, but you'd never know. Uh, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled against Trump and ruled that uh, President Trump would not be allowed on the Colorado ballot, even for the primary campaign. And uh, here is President Trump speaking in Waterloo, Iowa, last night on the Colorado court kicking him off the ballot. Uh, listen, this is clip one. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. Okay. Uh, the idea that they are willing to violate the U.S. Constitution by striking him from the ballot, when there is a constitutional clause that is written out that says that someone will be rendered ineligible uh, for holding federal or state office if uh, he had taken a – he had taken a uh, – uh, an oath to support the Constitution and then violated it by being part of what's defined as an insurrection. That's the issue that's going to be before the Supreme Court of the United States. And I don't think they will necessarily um, respond to Donald Trump, even the ones who were appointed by Donald Trump. In Waterloo, Iowa, Trump um, also defended himself uh, against a statement that he has now repeated again and again and again, saying that immigrants to this country, illegal immigrants, are poisoning our blood. Here is President Trump defending that approach. This is clip two. It's crazy what's going on. They're ruining our country, and it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. They're destroying our country. They don't like it when I said that. And I never read Mein Kampf. They said, oh, Hitler said that in a much different way. No, they're coming from all over the world, people all over the world. We have no idea. They could be healthy. They could be very unhealthy. They could bring in disease that's going to catch on in our country. But they do bring in crime. But they have them coming from all over the world. Okay, uh, Jake Tapper on <laughs> CNN was pretty tough on this whole line of they're poisoning our blood, which President Trump has repeated again and again and again, at least five times now. Uh, here is Jake Tapper's response. It's clip three. South America, Africa, Asia. No mention of Europe in Mr. Trump's list. And he uses the term poisoning the blood of our country, poisoning the blood of our country. If you were to open up a copy of Hitler's Mein Kampf, you would find the Nazi leader describing the mixing of non-Germans with Germans as poisoning. The Jew, Hitler wrote, quote, poisons the blood of others. This, 
according to Hitler, posed an existential threat to Germany because, quote, all great cultures of the past perished only because the originally creative race died out from blood poisoning, unquote. There's really no other way to say it. Donald Trump's language mirrors this directly. And this wasn't a one-off. Trump then went to Nevada on Sunday and used the same scare tactic with zero evidence that migrants are largely coming to the United States from prisons and from mental institutions. He made the campaign promise to begin the largest deportation of undocumented immigrants in American history. And uh, that large deportation includes, according to Trump's plans, uh, not only mobilizing new personnel to help the detention and deportation of these people, but creating big new camps, uh, big new facilities. Um, but uh, that President Trump does have uh, some um, uh, people who are uh, victims, or would have been victims of Nazi terror if they had lived at the same time. Uh, there's one particular Jew that uh, Trump insists that uh, he is a major, major fan of, and he attacks President Biden for not mentioning the name. Uh, this also his speech in Waterloo, Iowa. When Joe Biden lit the national Christmas tree earlier this month, he completely failed to even mention the birth of Jesus Christ, which is hard to do if you're celebrating Christmas, right? He didn't mention Jesus Christ in his remarks. Not for three years he hasn't mentioned that and barely mentioned God. When I was president, we brought back the beautiful phrase, Merry Christmas. And I said I'd do that. I'm very proud of that, actually, because as I said at the beginning, that was really under siege. And when I lit the Christmas tree each year, it was my honor to publicly celebrate the true source of Christmas joy, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, the the idea that he is the first president to do that um, neglects neglects the eight years presidency of George W. Bush, and uh, <laughs> there's also this Christ Christmas message that was sent out by uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Jill and I wish a peaceful and joyous Christmas to Orthodox Christians in the United States and around the world. During this sacred season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and the power of faith to lift us up, to change us, and to change the world. We are thankful for the many ways in which Orthodox Christians continue to show love and compassion to their neighbors. As services take place in churches around the world and the nation, we reaffirm the right of all peoples to practice their faith freely and recommit to standing with those who face discrimination, persecution, and violence because of their faith. We join the Orthodox Christian community in praying for peace, justice, and joy for all God's children in this new year. I don't think this is going to work out to be a major issue, nor should it be. Uh, we'll be right back talking to John Yu about the new ruling against Trump on the ballot in this greatest nation on God's green earth.